Well, good morning again. If uh, you brought your Bibles or have your on your phone, there we're going to turn. We're going to look at a passage from the best sermon ever preached in all of human history, the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be in Matthew chapter six. We're um, this is the last week in our study of the church. You know what the church is, who she is, how the value that she has, and and hopefully, you know it's. It's been our intention that you would have a deeper understanding of who the church is and a greater love for the bride of Jesus Christ and uh, the ability to cherish her, you know, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. In our, in our series together, just a quick review, we were able to see that the purpose of the church is to do what we're told, go and make disciples. And a disciple is a person who becomes like Christ in all of life. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so that's the purpose of the church. And then we, we looked at the importance uh, of unity and how unity is of, of such a, a great value for Jesus because when the church is unified and our, we are loving one another, we, we can do what we were meant to do. We looked at the, the mystical power and the presence of the ordinances together. We saw that, that because of the uniqueness of the church, it would drive us to want to be generous towards her. And then we looked last week at the fact that, that you and I, we're individually and then collectively as a church, we're in a spiritual war. There is evil about us, and it wants to destroy us. That was a popular sermon. We had so much feedback on that that we're, we're going to change the... 2019 calendar, preaching calendar, we're going to spend maybe four or more weeks on the spiritual context of things and how we might be more victorious on a regular basis. So thanks for your feedback on that. But there is, there is nothing like the church. There is no thing in all of creation that exists today that has a comparable wonder or, or beauty or brilliance. There's there's nothing that has the power and the potential as the bride of Jesus Christ, the church. And today, I'm going to make an appeal to you that you would make the church your treasure. That you would make the church your treasure. I think the, the prioritization of the church in my life is what changed my life. It, it changed my family. It has changed the lives of hundreds of millions of people over the years. And I'm not talking about a building or a denomination, the church. She is his. It's something else. It's, the church is the expression of Jesus Christ on earth in the physical world. It, the church is the primary means that the Holy Spirit is is going to change the world. And in the context of, of living our lives in two realms, or our two realms, there's a physical realm that we all are very common, you know, we're familiar with. It is temporal. And then there's this spiritual realm that is eternal. It is unseen. And we can't know very much about it unless we've been told that by God himself. And what, we, what we've learned is, is that, there, that, the, that there's this overlap, right? So some things in the physical world affect the spiritual realm, and the spiritual realm affects the physical realm, that, that we uh, can make life choices in the physical realm, and it changes what's happening in the spiritual, in the invisible part. And there's some spiritual forces at war that affect our choices, 
here in the physical world. In the context of that overlap, the body of Christ, the church, the bride, is the most powerful overlap there can be. I mean, when you think about this collectively, and now that we know so much about the church, there is a spiritual aspect of the church, right? That's the universal church. That's the eternal church. And then there's a local expression, the physical part of it, right? The local expression that is temporal. That's, that's this powerful potential, right? This, this loving thing. And if, if you... If you, think, if you think in that context and look at life, right, in history, you can see that when the church obeys her king, it is to the benefit of the world. And when the church becomes distracted or disobedient or compromising, the world suffers for it. You could make a case that the history of the last 2,000 years is, is really just the history of the church. It's just church history whether she is playing her part and her, her potential and power or not. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus quite boldly declares values in this, in this dual realm. And, and no better person, right? I mean, Jesus Christ, he lived fully in this realm, and he is from the other realm. He has enjoyed both realms, and he says, look, I know how to live wisely. And so when he gives this great sermon on the hill, and he probably gave it multiple times, he kept trying to help us understand, like, how to live, what to value, how, how, how to really keep score in life. And it's in that context that we can see these are the values that are rolling out. I want you to see that in Matthew chapter 6. I've inserted some words. I've replaced some words using our vocabulary, our contemporary vocabulary, so, because I think it makes sense to us now. In a, in a in immediate way. So he says in, in chapter nine, chapter six nineteen. He says, "Do not store for yourselves, okay? Do not store for yourselves treasures in the physical realm, right? Where the moth and rust might destroy that, and the thieves will break in and steal it. But store up for yourselves treasures in the spiritual realm, up here. And, and the moth and the rust they cannot destroy that. Where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is." there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve two realms. You can only serve, you can either, he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. He cannot serve both God and money. And so, these passages might be familiar to some of you. The idea is kind of obvious. Jesus is showing up and saying, listen, I know how both realms work made them. I made both realms. I've lived in both realms. And here's, I think today he would say, this, is, this should be obvious. The spiritual realm is so much more valuable. He says, let's get a road trip. Everybody get in the bus. We're going to a junkyard. Jesus would take us to a junkyard because, the, because everything in a junkyard used to be a treasure to someone. And everything in the junkyard used to be new, and it was shiny, and it had great value. And someone said, I'd pay money for that. And they did. And they used it, and then, and then uh, Russ got it, or a moth got it, or a thief got it, or time got it. But, but, it, but it's stuff. 
It's just stuff, he says. And, it, and everything down here in this realm ends up in a junkyard. Everything ends up in a junkyard because that's what it does. It's the nature of stuff. And we, right now, we're just middlemen between brand new, shiny, ooh, look at that, I'd pay money for that, and a junkyard. We're just like holding inventory for this stuff that, that has to end up right there. It's my, here's a formula. Here's the formula. Okay. Tr physical treasures plus time equals junk. <laughs> time always wins in the physical realm. It doesn't matter how big your house is. doesn't matter how well it's built. Time wins all the time. It's just stuff. It's going to end up in a junkyard. I love cars. I love exotic cars. Do you know where exotic cars go? They go to the junkyard, right next to the terrible cars, right next to everything else. If you could, if you, like, what would be the iconic definition of someone living in the, in the physical world only or whatever? It was just like they made it. This is when you know you've arrived in this physical world. I'd say it'd be a pretty good argument. The Gulfstream 650. G6 is a gorgeous private plane, and when it came out, it was the biggest and the fastest one available. 610 miles per hour, cost $65 million. I want a jet. But if I got a jet, I wouldn't get the Gulfstream 6. I'd spend half that much money, and I'd buy me an F-15 Eagle because that's a great, that's a great jet. jet. As, uh, as far as dogfighting, it's track record. 104 wins, zero losses. Never been splashed. It doesn't go 610 miles an hour while you're like crawling across the sky in your Gulf Stream. This thing goes Mach 2.5. That's about 1,600 miles per hour. It comes in a two-seater. It's called the Strike Eagle. That way, Melinda and Matt can both fly in this plane. <laughs> I could say to her, hey, honey, let's do lunch in Paris. We'll be back before the kids get home. I love this plane. I really do. And what I like about it is when she says, ah, oh, the neighbor left their trash can out again, I'll go, I got that. I can fix that. It will not happen again. Now, the reason I, I tell you about my love for the F-15 Eagle is because everything has a junkyard, even fighter jets, and that's the 15's junkyard, and it's right next to the F-14 Tomcat and the F-16, which is right next to some bombers, which is right next to all of our military. It all ends up in a junkyard. Time always wins. It's just stuff. Is it bad to desire? I mean, there's a lot of uh, religious philosophy, a lot of religions and even some Western philosophy like Stoicism that says, look, that's the problem with life is desire. You know, it, desire leads to suffering. And so the key to life and the secret to life is to not desire. And if you don't desire, you can't be disappointed. And that is the way of like inner peace and tranquility, nirvana, or, or the good life, depending upon religion or philosophy. And Jesus is not, that's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, he's not saying don't have treasure. I mean, Jesus acknowledges that we are treasure valuing human souls. He made us to treasure things. It's not wrong to treasure. 
he's, Jesus is teaching in his greatest sermon. He's saying, treasure the right things. Use that passion to treasure things in a different realm, in a spiritual realm, in an eternal realm. And, there, and he tells us why. He says, now the reason you want to make sure you choose your treasures well is because, because the treasures end up becoming your master. And they, be, and they, they, can, they have the power to shape you and, and, and to nag you and to be, you know, constantly working on you. Treasures in the temporal realm can tell you how to live. They can cause you great worry. Simply put, you will be shaped by whatever you treasure, he says. Whatever you treasure, that will shape you. I mean, think about it. Let me just read a few, right? If you treasure money, you'll be shaped by greed. If you treasure security, you'll be shaped by fear. If you treasure approval, you'll be shaped by your reputation. You treasure success, it'll all be about achievement. If you treasure appearance, then vanity. If you treasure power, then arrogance will be what shapes you. Not only does it shape you, it, the physical realm treasure, treasures, they cause you anxiety by their nature. Treasures down here, okay, are fragile and they're absolutely out of our control. And so because of that, it causes us to be stewing about them and agonizing about them, to be compulsive about making sure we have it or can't have it and we can maintain it, those sorts of things. And that's, in, in many ways, that, that, can def, that itself, the worry about that stuff can define us. Right after the paragraph that we read, the very next paragraph, when, in Jesus' sermon, he says, therefore I tell you this, do not worry about your life about what you're going to eat or drink, or your body, about what you're going to wear. Listen to how he's talking about realms. He says, isn't life, right, that soul, you're a soul with a body, isn't life more than food? And isn't your body more than clothing? You're in the image of God, and you're, like, spending so much time down here. And then he says, has anyone ever added a single moment to their life through worry? No. Jesus hates worry. He hates what it does to the human soul, the spirit. He hates how it, it, it torments a person. It makes Worry makes some people angry. It makes other people timid. It makes some people mean. It, 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 worry it chokes out joy. Worry kills dreams. Worry steals life one hour at a time. And so Jesus is like, you've got to stop worrying. And the birds don't worry like you guys do. The grass doesn't worry like you guys do. And so he says, therefore, don't be focused so much in this realm. Don't be stuck down here where a moth could get it or rust can get it, or a thief can steal it, or time will get it, or in some cases, in many of our cases, let me add another factor here about the fragility of, of this stuff. You could have a child. That's all it takes is a child or a bad roommate, and you're going to have to choose what your treasure is. 
I mean, think about that. I know you've been through this. You have to, you, don't, you might not have known you were choosing treasures when, when our, our firstborn, this is our first awakening to it, was just learning how to walk and running around the house. We had this awesome uh, uh, camera with Carl Zeiss lens, if you know what that is. I mean, just all oh, the pictures and the colors this thing could produce. And, and somehow uh, Ryan must have learned how to clean up from watching his mother. And he got that camera and threw it away. It's gone. It's, I mean, I'm not like we threw it away, we found it. No, he, it's gone. And we, I had to make a choice. Do I love, what's my treasure, that little child or that camera, you know? And then, I don't know, maybe it's just my children, but they have a way of looking into my soul and finding out what I treasure, and they put oatmeal in it, and it does not work after that. And each time I have to choose that child, that soul, or that thing, rust, moth, child. If you, if you measure, if you treasure success and, you know, you like respect and you're, you know, you're a high-ranking officer at work or at the base or whatever, and then you come home, your child doesn't care. And he or she, you're going to look at that little child and you're going to say something like, I should get the respect I get at work. And <laughs> yeah, so make a choice. Are you going to throw a little fit about that respect Treasure or that innocent child? That child that just treats you like a father or a mother. Some, some people, they treasure approval. They want to be liked. And so God gives you a teenager. <laughs> they don't like you. And you have to choose what you treasure because you could be that parent that comes in and says, oh, I want you to like me. I want to be your buddy. Want to be one of the boys, one of the girls? You can. Or you could be the parent. Tell them the hard things. You know, enforce consequences, all that. But see, that's how, that's how you find yourself choosing these things. People, I know people, they think they can have peace and quiet, right, and children. <laughs> and, and which is your treasure? And I'll tell you which is your treasure by, like, your temper. Some people think they can have, like, clean and orderly house. And four children. You can't have both. You can treasure one of them. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two realms. You have to choose a realm. And your children can graduate and they get out of your house. And when they re remember the days at your house, they'll say, it was clean. It was clean. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. Jesus says, look, Jesus says, look, I've, I, I know about both realms. I speak to you as an expert here. I've been to a lot of junkyards. He says, invest well. Invest wisely. I mean, Jesus comes to us like, like he's like an insider trader. He knows stuff that we don't know, but we should have confidence because of his resurrection that he knows what he's talking about. And he's saying, look, I, I've, do it like this. Eternal things heavenly things, spiritual realm things. It's a safe bet. Think of how much, think about this, somebody that has insider foreknowledge, just, just super, like, superhuman foreknowledge. If you, if, you, if you bought one share of Coca-Cola in 1919, it was $40. $40, one share. How much would you be worth today? Think about it. You'd be worth nothing. You'd be dead. 
And that's the point. That's the point. There's a junkyard for you, right? There's a junkyard over here for you. There's two realms. There's two markets to invest in. There's the temporal, physical. There's the spiritual, eternal one. And Jesus is saying, look, there are three eternal treasures you need to invest in. One, Yahweh. Love Yahweh, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's how the whole sermon climaxes in this section. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Him, that's the one. Love him, enjoy him, worship him, obey him, with him. Your presence, Lord, surrender to his will. That's an easy one, right? Treasure Yahweh. And the other two follow from that. Treasure what Yahweh treasures. That's eternal. In this dual realm with the overlap, treasure people. Treasure people. The world is filled with human souls that have a price tag wrapped right around it that says, in God's image. There's no class. We all have the same value before God. We both live in this, we all live in this realm of this physical body that is just falling apart like all things do down here. And we have this spiritual soul and spirit that God says, I treasure you. And some of you maybe need to hear that today, right now. No, God treasures you. It is the desire of every soul in the deepest, in the part of the root of our spirit that that, that is always digging for water, the living water, it is to be treasured. And the Bible says God, Yahweh, treasures you. If you were the only one to ever exist, God would so treasure you that he would send his only begotten son. God treasures people, every single person, for God so treasured the world that he sent his only begotten son right, to come here, to leave his deity, you know, his, the expressions of his deity in heaven, and then teach here and then die so that we could spend eternity with him, eternally with him, to be resurrected, to prove all this is true. Every single person, love, cherish, enjoy, treasure that. The other thing he tells us to treasure is the church. And when I mean, when I say treasure the church, I, I don't mean you need to be here every time the doors are open and let's, let everybody get busy quick. That's what it means to love. To treasure something means that the thought of that person or that church that is to, is the thought of them comes to mind early and often when you're making decisions. Because when you make decisions in the physical world, it influences the spiritual world. And the spiritual world will influence your choices. And I'm saying the spiritual world, the bride of Jesus Christ, should be influencing our physical choices. And our choices should be treasuring this body of Jesus Christ. The church is, the church is spiritual. It is everlasting. It's eternal. 
And I mean, think you've probably heard kind of a, a version of this illustration, right? Where it's, it's, a, it's, it's how long are you going to be here? You ever heard anybody checking into like a Motel 6 and they look around and they go, well, okay, we got to fix this place up. Run over to Costco, get one of the pallet carts, right? Get some of the best towels you can buy and a couple, maybe a brand new mattress, 4K widescreen TV set, some stuff to put on the wall, go in there, decorate it, make it yours. No one ever does that in a hotel stay. It's really obvious why, Right? because you're not staying long. It's a short stay. You'll be checking out soon. And Jesus is saying, everything down here is a short stay. Everyone's checking out very soon. Treasure the church. It exists in both realms. And here's the power of the church. This is why I said it's the most significant overlapping part of this realm of these two realms, is the church is the primary means that God is showing the people that they are treasured by him. That's the second thing we're supposed to treasure. The church is the means of doing that, whether she does it well or not, but that's, what, that's the purpose of the church. And, and so in the Older Testament, if you look at the Older Testament, the way the means God showed that every single person was valuable was that the nation of Israel was to be holy and set apart over here, and God would bless them, and, and, and Israel would say, you should come join us. Gee, God treasures you. You could be part of this holy nation. That's how it worked back then. In the modern era, this dispensation, in the New Testament, it's the church. At Pentecost, she was born. And now he says, no, 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 you're not separate anymore. Now you go out to all the world and you go tell them. You tell each and every person you can that God treasures them and there is no better life experience than when you are completely surrendered to him and you, are, and you become like Christ in all of life. So investing in the church is, is strategic because it's the way that God shows people that they're treasured. And the second, the second reason the church is so powerful and strategic as an investment is it is the way that God shows the spiritual realm that he rules his kingdom. We've talked about that, but it, the idea is uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the kingdom of God part. Okay, the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. This is a dissertation that would bore you. It's, the church is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is everlasting in both directions. The church has a birthday. But anyway, the point is this. It is the expression of the kingdom of God right now. Seek first the kingdom of God right now. That's the church. And it is through the church that God shows the spiritual realm that he rules all of his creation. The church is like an embassy in a dark territory. It's like an outpost that is set into the world of darkness and in the physical realm, right? It's both. And it's saying, she is mine. And she is proving that people that are part of this group, I rule them and they love obedience. And it's not even burdensome to them. Inside the body of Jesus Christ, the economy is simple. The temporal stuff you use that up for the eternal stuff. This stuff is going to end up in a junkyard anyway. 
And that's why people that understand and they treasure the church, that's why they rearrange their lives so that they can express what they treasure, so that the, the spiritual world, their values here are showing up down here. And so they look for opportunities to serve. These are the people in the parking lot helping you, you know, find a place to park or serving coffee or uh, killing it down there in our children's discipleship ministry or our, youth, our student ministry or whatever it might be throughout the week. They go, look, this is the church. It's not the YMCA. It's not a club that I'm part of. This is his holy bride. And this is eternal investments. That's why people that treasure the church look for opportunities and ways to invest in the church because it comes to their mind early, it comes often, and they say, how can I invest here? It's going to have a great return. This is strategic in what we do. I asked a friend that who's famously uh, giving away a lot of money, a percentage of his income that I, I will never be able to achieve, and I I, I was curious, like, how did you get there? How did you, you know, find this, this, this lay up treasures at, at, at this phase of your life? He goes, no, it, it didn't happen now. No, 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 no. I have some wealth now. He goes, no, no. My wife and I, years ago, when we didn't have very much at all, we said, no, we have to discipline this thing, this income stream. We have to show it who's boss. Because it's a physical, it, he talks about it in realms, this friend of mine. He's like, this is a physical thing, and my spirit needs to, our spirits need to tell it the, what it's going to do. Because otherwise, it's kind of weird. He said, he said, wealth or income is like food. It, it, it's, it's, it's a physical thing, but if you're not careful, it will control you. You won't control it. And you won't remember the day it happened, but you'll be eating stuff you shouldn't be eating. You'll be eating quantities you didn't think you should be doing, but you're just doing whatever the food tells you to do. And that's how, that's how it is with, with, with wealth sometimes. He goes, so what we did early on is we learned to fast. You know how physical fasting is when your spirit, your will, right? Your will says to your body, shut up. We're going to eat when I say we're going to eat. You, you just be quiet, and your stomach is growling, and your spirit says, listen, if you keep that up, we'll skip lunch. And so just know your place. You don't control me. My spirit controls you. And then you say, okay, I was just kidding about missing lunch. We're going to have lunch, but just be quiet. That's what it means. To, here's what Paul said. Here's how he described it. He said, but I punish, or some of you know this word, buffet. I buffet my bodies to enslave it so that, see how he's talking about realms? So that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. I'm going to punish my body down here. I'm going to make sure it knows who's in charge because I want to have spiritual return on investments. He's talking about realms. I'm in charge. And so this person is saying, in summary, I buffet my wallet. Just like he would buffet his stomach in fasting, he would buffet his wallet. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two realms. Are you going to love one and hate the other? Or serve one and be disobedient to the other? Don't let passions and desires do the, do the best. Take the best. Look, money is a great tool. It's a terrible master. It's a great way to make rent and help needs and care for your family and you know, but it's a, it's a terrible master, and it's a means of helping people. 
and loving souls and being part of the bride of Jesus Christ because there is nothing like the church. There is no thing that has ever been created that has comparable wonder or brilliance or beauty. There is nothing like the bride of Jesus Christ and her power. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, they treasure the body of Jesus Christ. They treasure the bride. Do you? Is she a treasure to you? I appeal that she would. I'm going to pray. Join me. Since you've been raised with Jesus Christ, this is a passage in the Bible, set your hearts, it's your will and emotion in your spirit, set your hearts on things above. That's where Christ is, in the spiritual part. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Next sentence. Set your minds, the thinking part of your spirit, and the will. Set your minds on things above, the spiritual part, not on earthly things. You can't serve two realms. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to the power that God the Father has given to work within us, to God be the glory in his bride, in his body, in his church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Let us be that kind of church. We pray this forever and ever. Amen.